0: Press play on the Inside, Inside Sales Show, powered by the Sales IQ Network. My name is Daryl Prale. I'm your host, and you, my friend, well, you and I, we're going on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips their tricks their techniques and their tactics to become sales rock stars you simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana if you like to laugh you like to be entertained if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories you're going to love what you're going to hear next sit back relax it's going to get real How's everybody doing? It's another episode here on the Inside, Inside Sales Show. Do you guys ever get tired of me saying that every week? It's like every single freaking time I do almost the exact same opening. I suck, if you haven't noticed, having variety in my openings. I used to really put a lot of time and effort into it, and then it just became an anxiety, and now I just kind of do that. So if you can relate to having anxiety, and if you do cold calling... I know you can. Because it's like, how do you open that cold call, right? That's the whole process. Ah, I'm going through some interesting times here. Again, if if you've missed a few episodes, I've changed jobs in the last little while. And uh, so I'm about, I'm I'm in, as I, this recording, I'm in week eight. First week was spent in San Diego trade show. And the next like four weeks were me spending interviewing everybody in the world. Then I did a reorg and now I'm shifting over into trying to get the demand generation machine going. And we have me start talking about the, the actual brand awareness and development and awareness, uh, building processes and hype machine. <sighs> Marketer's job is never done, but this is a sales show, not a, not a marketing show. Why does it matter that I'm sharing this with you? It's a new gig. And as part of that, a big part of what I'm doing is I'm talking to my sales colleagues my sales leadership and of course I also own the SDR team so you know I'm still in the sales game and in the process what you do is you start to uncover patterns and habits and tendencies and and just mistakes and just missed opportunities that you see the team is 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 guilty of right and it's never malicious, never malicious right it's not like any one rep like nobody here listening to this podcast says I'm going to screw management today and I'm going to do a shitty qualification. I'll show you sons of bitches. That doesn't happen. All right. Everybody thinks that in fact, the funny part is when I talk to some of these people here at my new gig, it's no different than any other gig. How are you doing at sequences? I'm good at sequences. You think you're feeling good? Yeah. You know how to do them? I'm the best. You are. Re- how are you on the multi-channel? Uh-huh. I totally multi-channel. It's weird because when I looked at your sequence, you had one LinkedIn touch and it was a connection request and you never went back there again. Really? You know, that's what happens. Every single <laughs> company that you think you have the skills and you don't. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue. Because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Why are you here? You're here because you want to get better. And that's one of the things I hear over and over again. I was talking to, if you're listening, I was talking to Adrian yesterday, and, or the day before. And Adrian was sharing with me how? how he loves I open up every show with this kind of this little dialogue. I'm sharing what's going on in my life, and then it always ties into my guests... That I bring in. And I'm that's cool. Cause that was intentional by in me. I didn't start off my show that way many moons ago when we we began. I was probably 30 or 40 episodes into it when I kind of stumbled into that process. Cause it was the only way I could really get established a rapport with you and the listener before the guest comes on. So you understand that you and I are living in the same world. And I love that he said that. So what I'm sharing with you today is just this: I'm new and I'm figuring it all out. And there's so many areas for improvement, which is normal. I want to be clear. This is not an anti-AgoraPulse thing. Everything I'm, I'm, I could go into any company and I will find this exact same thing. All right. So I thought I got a lot of things I want to talk about. Who, who do I know that really understands the sales game? And, And when I say the sales game, I mean, just doesn't understand it, but also lives it accountable for driving new revenue. Understands the nuances of the channels, and we could just jam on. And basically, folks, I could rip off this podcast to be a therapy session for me, and you could all eavesdrop. And the end of the show, you'll say, Prill, you're messed up. But we love you because we're messed up too. And we can be messed up together and your guests <laughs> can be our collective therapists. And that's what I'm doing. So today, instead of me drilling down on any one topic, I haven't done this in a while. We're going to go on multiple conversations, wherever it goes, wherever it goes, but I do have some ideas I want to talk about. So who's that fellow? Well, let me see if I get this right below, but Oh man, I was so close. I was like, right there, Bilal Batawi. <laughs> oh, man. I said to them before in the green room, guys, I'm like, I'm going to totally butcher your name and do it on a regular basis. <laughs> and then we did the phonetic spelling, and then my autocorrect kicked in, and that's what happens. But Bilal is fantastic. <laughs> Bilal is, you know, Balau first hit my radar as this rock star messaging guy, and uh, and he's really really good at it. So I'm sure we'll get into that. But that is that is only one aspect of his skill set. Friend, how are you today? Welcome
1: to the show. Thank you for having me. Today. It was an honor, a pleasure, and a privilege. And you were so close. It was so close. Like I was the so last. there. I got in my head. Ninety six percent. Yes. <laughs> Very. Yes. Well played. Well played. That's an A plus still.
0: I was going to say, I was going to mess up a B plus. I wasn't giving an A plus, but I'll, I'll take a B plus on that one. All right. Now for context, so a couple of things about Bilal. All right. So you're known far and wide. I think your anchor reputation is around, you know, messaging and all that wonderful stuff. We can have that conversation, but of course you've also got this wonderful series you call death, the fluff, and it's a Substack. for those that don't know. So death, the Go check it out. And, and as, and I, and I love it, right? So here's the, here's the tag on the Substack guys. It says death to fluff. And it's got a skull, skull, legit sales and marketing advice, no fluff guaranteed. And uh, so that's fantastic. And I want to drill down on that in in a little bit, because you had a post of the day. It was kind of interesting about, you know, you've been doing this for a couple of years now and all the challenges you endured in that time frame. But what we're doing here is a couple of things. Where do we start? I want to start off. Let's start off because we were having this conversation internally the other day about cold calling. And, and, you know, cold calling, it's its tough. And everybody's got different philosophies on it. You got this mic drop cold calling technique. So let's set the stage. What is your technique? We want to know this, of course, but I want to know what was the catalyst for creating this technique? Because I always find half the time, the story behind the story is way more interesting. So talk to me about this. Yeah, I appreciate
1: the question, Daryl. And so the, the mic drop method came from when I was just a wee little SDR 12 years ago. They threw me on connect and sell back in the day. And so I was just the first person ever at Trinet, the company I was at, to do this connect and sell thing. And they sit me in this, they literally called it a hot seat. They could have made it more pressure filled. <laughs> like they made me feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> and so they put me in a hot seat. I was in an area open floor near the entire the SDR floor, which was like 30 something people at that time. And I'm hooked up to this mic and this screen and I'm doing connect and sell back in the day where I'm supposed to get like five, six conversations, you know, every hour minimum, if not more. And, and they gave me this really, you know, kind of standard pitch that I was supposed to just, you know, vomit on anybody who, who said, hello. And it was terrible. <laughs> like the worst experience ever. And I remember finishing my first two hours on Connect and Sell. I had like 15 conversations. I think I maybe set one meeting and that was only because that person was clearly feeling very, very happy that day. Otherwise, they shouldn't have taken it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was just like, man, this cannot be. This cannot be the way it's supposed to be. Like there's, you cannot tell me right now that I'm supposed to do this for the rest of my sales career. And this is the, this is the way it's supposed to go. Like, how could this be? So that, that's kind of like where I really sat down and I said, what, what is the problem here? And why does this feel so bad? And I'm like, it's probably because the second somebody says, hello, I'm using that as an opportunity to just talk about myself for the next two minutes and hope to God something in there sticks. Mm Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't work like it doesn't work in any scenario, let alone this scenario. Why do we do it this way? And that's that's where I really started thinking about the mic drop method. So that's that's a story behind it. And I still like my palms even get slightly sweaty. Still think about that day sitting in that hot seat. <laughs> You've <laughs> got you
0: scars <laughs> coming back to you. You're feeling the cold sweats again. Right. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It's so funny because, you know, you talk about talking about yourself, which is not what anybody wants. We ever we go to networking events and you meet, meet that person that talks about themselves nonstop, you're like, oh my God, shoot me. How can I get out of here? Somebody save me. So we know that. But the irony is as a sales rep, it is a topic you know best. So it's a refuge. So you can go to that. So it's a logical place to escape to in the anxiety of the moment. So I get it. So here you are, you're two hours into it. You're you're in the cold sweats. You're realizing there's got to be a better way. You're using Connect and stuff. For those who don't know, Connect and is a great tool still out there today doing, uh, Chris Bial runs the whole show there. And the idea is that they're going to serve, like you you pump in a list of like 30, 40, 50, 100,000 contacts, and they're making like, you know, 10 or 20 dials simultaneously. And then when somebody answers, a real live person answers, they automatically hand it off to the sales rep who's sitting in front of the, uh, the computer screen and a browser interface waiting for the little green light to say, boom, you're connected, go. So yeah. the idea is it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a volume game, but it's, it's, it's totally, the only thing that's qualified is maybe your list is segmented on a certain title or company size, but you know, nothing else beyond that. Go. So it is nothing. brute force cold calling. So that was your situation nobody can relate to that at all so what so what what's the 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 short version of the mic drop process yeah
1: well so and 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 now my my background is psychology i'm I'm almost i had enough credits to get a minor in university I, i really liked it and one power that they teach in psychology is that we have this superpower called chunking the ability to take an enormous task and break it down into smaller parts to accomplishment you know don't climb a mountain by just showing up you do it in stages there's base camp stage one stage two stage three if you accomplish these various stages you will be at the top of the mountain that that's the superpower of chunking and i said why can't i apply chunking to this. Like, how do I go from somebody on a list to somebody answering to somebody actually wanting to take a meeting? How do I chunk this? And I realized as I listened to the other SDRs on my team, the ones that were successful were way better in the first 15 to 20 seconds of the cold call than all the others. The conversation, the response, and what was happening in those first 20 seconds dictated the next four to five minutes completely differently than the ones that weren't doing well and it made me realize let me chunk this cold call i've got the first five seconds of when they answer i've got the next 15 seconds those 20 seconds combined then buy me the next one to four minutes and then from four minutes onward is just me deciding whether the conversation should continue or do i need to be the one to step back and say okay i'm either going to set the meeting or this person probably isn't a fit And that's where the mic drop method was born. And I realized how do I nail those first 20 seconds? So the permission based opener, and then some sort of a framed problem with an open ended question right within the first 15 seconds of the cold call that my buyer goes, Whoa, that's a pretty well-informed question. Let me, what, like what happened? Like I just picked up the phone, some guy answers. All right, Tells me his name. Never heard of this name before. Blah blah blah. blah. Like what? <laughs> and then and then just drops this like really well informed problem statement with a thoughtful question at the end of it. What just happened? And it was almost like shell shock for my for my prospects on the call. And I was just getting longer. And so this is what it sounds like. So I'll give you a real example of it here. So if I try it, it was. Hey, Daryl, I know you'd expected my call. Do you have a moment? I promise to be brief. And people would either say yes or no. And if they told me no, I'd be like, well, when should I call back, letting them know, hey, you're not going to get me off that easy. And if they said yes, they'd be like, what's this about or what's this going on? And then I'd go right into it and be like, and this would be that from Trinet. I know for most small businesses like yours, the number two cost after payroll's health benefits, which have been rising 9 to 15% year over year in the state of California, how are you handling your second largest cost rising that much year over year? And there it was. All right. Within 15 seconds, a thoughtful statement with an open-ended question. And the number one response I got, Daryl, was, wait, who is this again? Because they were exactly. so taken back yep. by the quality of the, com- the conversation that just went from hello to that. And I would just repeat, no no fear, no hesitation. Again, this is Binad from Trinet. I know your second largest cost is this. Just wondering, how are you handling that? And they'd go right into, well, we're, we're using a, a broke. And, and, and so all of a sudden, conversation. And now I'm into that one to four minute mark. And that's the mic drop method of securing those first 20 seconds of the cold call. I want to stop talking, drop the mic, let my buyer take center stage and let them talk. And the sooner I can get myself off the stage and get them on it, the better. So a little background here, folks, if you're not aware of it,
0: uh, a fellow named Chris Voss is a great expert on, I think he's a former FBI hostage negotiator. He talks about you have seven seconds to make a first impression. And then I've heard stats in there from 12 to 30 seconds being how long it takes for someone to decide whether they trust you or not. And... Literally what you just heard Bilal talk about there, he did a one-two punch. He established, he made a first impression because he respected their time. He was upfront, And then he actually asked a value-added question that was thought-provoking and showed that he understood who they were and the, the life they're living in a very time-condensed chunk. We'll use Bilal's word there. So establishes trust. And that fact that they said, what is your name again? Whenever that happens, you're on to something good. I've, I've talked to other people who adopt a similar approach, and but don't even say the, the name. Like they would say, hi, full disclosure, you know, this is a sales call. Uh, can I have 30 seconds max and you can decide whether to, to go or not? Notice I didn't send my name. I didn't say where I'm calling from. And they'll say exactly what you said, sure. And then boom, does this value prop, right? And then they'll always say, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. And then the good ones will say, you know, it's Daryl. And then just carry on right? Because it's not about me. It's about you. And that's what you're you're trying to respect their time before they tune you out. So I love everything you just said there. So when you adjusted that, what was the change in your connect and sell efforts?
1: I mean, it just, it was, it was insane when I started securing those first 20 seconds and realizing there was this critical 15 second point after the permission opener that make, made or break essentially the conversation. And what was going to transpire afterwards talk time went up meetings uh, actually i set less meetings because i was talking more and the quality of meetings that i set converted at the highest rate on the team so by the end of it when it came time for me to get promoted i was one of 55 sdrs and i had the highest conversion from meeting set to uh, opportunity created on the entire sales team because i was also partly disqualifying people right with that opening question of asking them something that I knew mattered to what we sold and and what we did as a company. And so it it literally set it set my career. Like that at that point, I established myself as the number one SDR on the team, and from there, you know, the, the sky was the limit. So it was huge. It was really big. So it's so funny because this is the conversation I was having with my own sales team of the day
0: because they were so used to selling, historically at maybe we sell a social media management platform and we would sell to what we call the technicians, the social media managers, the users. That's what we typically would sell to, right? And it's a safe audience. And I'm saying you have to go up because the technicians don't have the budget. You have to go to the actual C-level officer, or the agency owner, or whatever. And they're like, well, give me an example. And I said, well, and ironically, I had just gotten... Gartner had just sent me this wonderful little snapshot about social media and everything else, and I said, and so I and I almost I basically used your technique. I said something along the lines of, "I know, according to Gartner, that beyond staffing expense, when it comes to your program investment as a marketer as a CMO, your number one spend, according to the industry, is uh, digital advertising, digital, digital media. Your number two spend is social media, right behind it, ahead of events." ahead of pay-per-click, ahead of anything else you can think of. It's your number two spend. Yet I also know that every single CMO I talk to has literally no idea what the return on their social spend is. And when they get grilled on it by the CFO or the CEO, they stammer for an answer and they're at a loss. Is that something you can relate to? And, and of course silence is wonderful, you let it hang there, right? And, and, and you can see my team was like, holy shit. Did Cartner really say that? Yeah, here <laughs> he It's the legit, right? So like I didn't make I mean, this up. It's real. I didn't make this up, right? And and they're like, why would we not know that? I'm like, because you're so, you know, your sales rep selling to technicians. That's all we've done. I said, but I live in that world, and that's that's the world I live in. I said, you gotta speak to me in my world. So what advice do you have, Below, for people who are saying, okay, I love what you're saying, I want to do it, but I don't
1: know what that mic drop statement is. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's really the critical thing. So, and most people focus on the question, not the statement. The statement is multitudes more important than the actual question. The question just usually any sort of what or how question will work if the statement is really good. But that statement is so critical because it's so easy to convolute it. So there's there's like three things to think about when you're making this mic drop question that state that problem state that thoughtful well-informed problem statement. Number 1, it should be about the status quo not your solution. All right? So when I'm saying I know what your second largest cost is after payroll, I'm telling you I know what it's like to be a small business owner. I get it. And I know how much it's rising year over year in California. I'm well-informed. And it's that status quo. That has nothing to do with my solution. What well, we, you know, we help reduce risk and, and mitigate your costs and flatten the cost curve. No, none of that right? I'm just talking about them exclusively. That's number one. So it's a problem statement around them. Number two, it, it has to hit something that's highly relevant to that persona. I was calling CFOs. CFOs, as soon as you mention anything to HR, they want to push you off to HR. But I was talking about HR costs, which I know that they were very, very scared about. So that was the other thing, right? I knew that this was something that was going to catch the attention of the persona I was talking to in the similar case of what you said, if you can, if you can just tell me assumptively, you know what my spend is like as a CMO, I'm going to listen to you because like, at least you, you get it, you get what's happening right now. And then the third biggest piece is that that problem statement has to be the sort of one where your buyer doesn't think there's an alternative. Like you tell me that, and I'm like, yeah, that is it, Daryl. What do you? So what do you? What do you? What are you suggesting here? Are you telling me there's something else that I'm not aware of? That's the norm. The norm is your health benefits costs rise 9 to 15 percent over here. The norm is your second largest spend on marketing is social, and there is no clear way to get you know the, the the data to show how effective it is. That's the norm. What what it creates some sort of curiosity there of like, are you telling me there's an alternative? Like the fact that you're calling me and asking me this makes me think, is there something else I don't know here? And that curiosity is what that next one to four minutes buys me of their attention. So you nail those three things in that problem statement, you buy yourself those next one to four minutes. It's pretty hard to botch it after that. (laughs) Like You really got to try hard to mess up the conversation at that point. The only way you can mess it up is by just pitch slapping them right after they agree to the problem. The right thing to do is just be bewildered by whatever response they give you. They just say, yeah, we we work with a broker. Oh, really? How's that going? Tell me more. And that's it. And now you just, again, they're on center stage. Don't grab the mic back, <laughs> for the love of God. You just gave them the mic. They accepted it. Now they're talking into it. Let them keep talking.
0: couple of things. If you're not aware of it, the and they came out with their, what they call game-changing sales influencers. You should be following in 2022 now. In 2021, there were 16 people that were game changers. That's grown a little bit. In 2022, there's 29 people. Uh, you can check that out. Or what you can do is you can go to Bilal's LinkedIn posting activity where he has a link to it. Why does he have a link to it? Because he's a two-time award recipient here from Salesforce.com. There's a reason why we have him on the show. He's a kick-ass guy. What's interesting is before you see that reference to Salesforce, he has a wonderful post, which is, he doesn't refer to it as the mic drop technique, but he makes a great point. He says, bad calls, bad cold calls Start, you know, he's got three points. Start with a pitch. State one or three unique value props. People like you probably suffer from A or B or C. Ask people to choose what they're struggling with. Do you choose? Do you struggle with one of those? That's a bad cold call, according to Bilal. But he says a good cold call. Tell me if this sounds familiar based on what we just said. Opens with permission. Hey, it's cold call. Do you gonna have a few seconds to talk about you? Frames a relevant and costly challenge exactly as he did. And ask an open-ended question about how serious the challenge is. So that's what he just described. So it's right there in his LinkedIn. Of course, if you're following him, you would know that. If you're not, get out of your behind and make it happen. Because Salesforce, you know, (laughs) says he's a player. He's a player. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit. Uh, We were talking before on a related note about the whole premise of the helpful seller. The helpful seller. Shouldn't we be a helpful seller helpful. I mean, come on, who doesn't want a helpful seller? Yet you seem to have some disdain for the helpful seller. So we're tight on time. I want to respect my audience's allowance. They, 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 they will indulge
1: us before they tune out. But talk to me a bit about the helpful seller. Is good, bad, or what? I, I hate the helpful seller, and I was taught to be that one. And I've done a bunch of different sales trainings, and all of them positioned me to think that way. And what I realized was that's not what my buyers want. So just, just think about the social paradigm of a buyer-seller. It's one of conflict, competing interests, right? Right. Buyer wants something, seller has it, seller's trying to give it to them at the highest price, buyer's trying to get the, there's just natural conflict in the paradigm of a buyer and seller. This idea that you can be a helpful seller is almost like oxymoronic. Like it's not not reality, right? Buyers don't view sellers as helpful. Okay, and that and that's not your fault or, or or you know an attack on you. It's just a real, look at look at the industry trends. People don't trust sellers. Salespeople do not have high trustworthiness. So why would you walk in thinking, well, I'm going to be helpful. That's how I'm going to win them over with kindness. Oh, I'd love to answer your questions. Feel free to ask me anything. You know, happy to circle back with you. It's like no, you're not. You're not happy to circle back. You want the answer now. And if you bring a different mentality knowing that the buyer-seller relationship is one of conflict, you'll get better outcomes. So this idea that I'm going to be helpful also leads me to be me being the hero of wanting to save them because they need help. So I'm here to save them. I'm here to provide. And that's also completely wrong. The, the buyer's the hero, not the seller. I'm not the knight in shining armor. They are supposed to be. I'm supposed to be Merlin with the magic sword, giving it to them so they can slay the dragon. If I'm trying to be the helpful one, at some point, I want to save them. And I want to think of them as a damsel in distress. And I'm here to help you. That's not the right way. So when you start thinking about this and you realize, oh my God, I can go back to the last email I sent a buyer and find this sort of, you know, horrible lovey-dovey language. You know, I can't tell you how many times sellers use the word love on a call. (laughs) I'd love to show you. I'd love to help you. I'd I'd love to. And it's just like, why are you so lovey? Like, (laughs) just talk normal. Like you're not getting married. Okay. But when you want something from someone, that's the way you sort of start talking. And it's like, fight that urge. Don't be that helpful seller. Change it a little bit. Try to be a a person that brings wisdom. Okay. A person, you know, an advisor is not somebody that always tells you what you want to hear. An advisor, a true advisor. You know, a lot of sellers say they want to aspire to be a trusted advisor. A true advisor doesn't tell people what they want to hear, right? If you think about people that you go to for mentorship, they're not there to be your best friend. They're there to tell you how it is. You go to seek counsel from them, okay? And 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 they don't always know the answer as well. And sometimes they challenge you to figure it out. And and that kind of approach and mentality is much more befitting the buyer-seller relationship than one of like this. I'll just kill them with kindness, and they're gonna buy for sure, no doubt. So that's a teaser. That's a teaser. Of course, if you want
0: more below, then you can, of course, just sign, you can log, you can subscribe to death dot and get more below all the time. Now, with that all said, he's an interesting cat because he's coming to you with all this advice. He's been in your situations. You heard him say he was doing this probably 12 years or something now. Um, you... Recently, when I say recently, a year and a bit ago, you joined GTM Buddy, which is a sales enablement platform. You're the head of go to market. So, talk to me about why GTM Buddy. I mean, to me, it seems obvious. It's a sales enablement platform. You're like this rockstar wizard on sales advice, sales, you know, best practices. Uh, was there another reason that brought you there? What is talk to us briefly about GTM Buddy? Want to give them
1: a little bit of a plug? I appreciate that. Yeah, it's 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 a sales enabling tool for content management. And it wasn't particularly an area that initially piqued my interest, but it will really pique my interest whenever I joined a startup, Daryl, as I look at the founding team yep. and the founding team at, at GTM Buddy is world-class. I mean, Sridhar Padini was the co-coined the term customer success back in 2009, completely built the CS industry. And they had a really innovative, disruptive approach for handling content. And when, when I see something that's disruptive, that's unique, I gravitate towards that. You know, As a seller, that's your dream to be selling something that is unique, that's different, that works better and you know that your competition is too big, too slow, whatever, to really react to that. And there's a real market opportunity. Those are the best startups to be a part of. You grow the most there. You make great money. So GTM Buddy was that for me. It was a real unique opportunity to work with uh, a team that I respect and uh, obviously in a product that that I think really can help my, my audience and and when you get the two of them together, why wouldn't you? What would stop you? All right.
0: So let's, let's, let's exit the show. Kind of how we came in with this boatload of advice and me looking for some therapy. I, I, I set the stage by saying you, you know, you, you, I think, you know, when I first heard of you, it was because everybody was like, Rick, have you talked to Bilal? And he's like, Mr. Messaging. He You need an email framework? He's the guy. So can you give us a parting gift? If I was to do An email, if you were to say, Daryl, try this email framework in Mm. your sequences. What's a quick and dirty email framework you would suggest we try?
1: Yeah. there's. So just keep in mind, you're cursed with, with knowledge and your buyer's not. You know way too much about your product, your service, your customers. They typically know next to nothing. If they do know anything, it's very little. So what you want to sell is the idea that the status quo doesn't work. That's what you wanna sell. When you're cold anything, calling, emailing, FaceTiming, whatever, that means that person is in the unaware, maximum the awareness stage of the buyer's journey. They're not not evaluating. You're reaching out to them. So the thing you wanna do is you are fighting for their attention and the way you get their attention is by labeling the status quo. What is that common enemy? What is the thing that makes them angry on on Sunday night when they're thinking about their week? And if you can say that in an articulate, clear way, you will win their attention. Relevancy trumps personalization. If you can be highly relevant, you will get your buyer's attention. And every job and every role has that thing that they think about on Sunday, right before Monday morning, that they're just like, oh my God, like if just didn't have to deal with that. My life would be so much better. State that thing, state it, put a target on it, make it extremely clear and articulate. That's the framework you'd want. You can write that in a text message. That doesn't have to be war and peace in an email. I know blank is something that bothers people in your role. How are you handling it today? And just end with that level of curiosity. And if they can admit to that problem, you've got an opportunity. And if they can't admit to that problem, Better for you. Now you just save yourself a sales cycle with somebody who is never going to buy, anyways.
0: So, longtime listeners of a show have heard me say. I haven't? I haven't said it in a few episodes because I kind of mix it up, folks. Otherwise, you'll just say, i pray I'll say saying the same old, same old." I've said to you over <laughs> and over again. Don't just make it personal. Make it relevant. And the example I use, like when I was, you know, I was a zero. The example I use, I would get an email saying, "Oh, you must be sweating because you've got this big ass quota to hit." Well, that's personal. I mean, you know my role. Yeah, I've got a big-ass quota to hit, but you know what? So does every other CRO and our VP of sales, and, you know, it's not really relevant. I, I took that job knowing it. It's not keeping me awake at night, at least not right now. But you know what does, what is relevant? Is that my damn sales rep isn't following a very simple sales discovery process that we've been over 14 million times. And when I listen to the call recordings, they still flub it up. That's pissing me off. That's relevant. Right. So that's what Bilal getting at. That's what he's getting at is make it relevant to them. I just use that as an example. You, you got to figure out what's relevant for your audience. But there you have it. We're out of time here, folks. So I've, I've you know, he, oh, I do one more question for Bilal. Here it goes. And we'll end it on this. And then we'll see everybody back here next week. Bilal, how come every freaking second email I'm getting in my inbox these days is Agora Pulse less than, greater than, gtmbuddy.ai like where the hell did that subject line come up and why are people still using it and think it's relevant that's
1: my pet peeve of the day <laughs> I, well look i i don't know about you daryl but i got almost no training through my sales career on like i can't think of the number of times that like a sales leader or a sales training company sent me down and said here's how to write it was just expected that I know how to do it. So I'm not surprised that people just do whatever's like the easiest, most copyable thing. Cause if you've never been taught that skill, why would you, why would you like risk trying to come up with something on your own? But don't, don't do that. Like, don't you're do graded that. on the curve as a seller. So whatever, <laughs> whatever everybody else is doing, try to avoid that because you will then blend into that curve and you will be forgotten and you won't win the attention war. Folks, watch this. You ready? Balel I said it right. We're going to
0: end it right there. Check him out. I am Daryl. This, my friends, is the Inside. Inside Sales Show. I am so glad you took time out of your schedule to join us again. Join me next week. We're going to do it again. Take care. Bye-bye.